It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. What do we have on tap? Well, only way to find that out, you have to tune in. You have to grab your ticket, get on board, put your seatbelt on. Most importantly, enjoy the ride. That's right. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. And we are getting ready to get this train on the track. So let's get rolling. Smith. Today on tap, we will be doing our point counterpoint. It's going to be done a little bit different, and it's out of respect to one of our guests today. Today, we're going to be looking at what was once a theme around here that said, once a red skin, always a red skin. But it's only within heart now as that name has been removed here locally. I want to share an article with you. Wichita Board of Education approves removing name of North High mascot. The Wichita Board of Education approves removing name of North High mascot. In a 6-0 to zero vote, the Wichita Board of Education approved dropping the name Redskins as the North High School mascot during a February 8, 2021 meeting. The BOE agreed with the North High agreed with the North High mascot committee that the name is offensive to Native Americans and is racially and culturally insensitive the committee will not create a new mascot, but will adhere to BOE policy 1216, which states a school building principal is responsible for the development of school themes, songs, flags, etc. At this time, the North High administration has no plans to create a new mascot. The school will be referred to as Wichita North High School, and the school will continue to use their shield, drum, and feather logo. The school will have a two-year phase-in plan starting in the 2021-22 school year to remove the mascot name on athletic and fine arts, uniforms, school apparel, and signs. The committee said this is not about rewriting history or erasing North's past and accomplishments of the North community and alumni. All trophy cases and statues will remain as they are, as well as the Native American artwork on the outside of the school. The committee also recommended the development of a ninth grade advocacy class curriculum that highlights the history of North High and its Native American influence. The curriculum would be developed in conjunction with 
the WPS Native American program and include hands-on experiences with Native American artifacts. And my first guest that I am going to bring on is known here locally. Uh, you can hear him on a show that airs every Monday through Friday from 2 o'clock to 4 o'clock, known as the Bob and, and Jeff Show. Hello. And my first guest I have on here, uh, as I was introducing him, uh, you can hear him every Monday through Friday, along with his dad. And he has his own identity. He is none other than Jeffrey Lutz. <laughs> Jeff, what well, up, welcome aboard the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. And I just went ahead and rehashed that article of the Board of Education uh, with the removal of the name North High Redskins. And I had a chance to talk with you briefly about that. But today we get to go with my new segment called Point Counterpoint, and I will have my other guests on after you. But I want to thank you first for jumping on board and trusting me with your life behind the wheels of a locomotive. Thank you. Sounds great, man. Happy to be here. Right. And once again, let me put that plug in. To those of you who are listening to my podcast and you're unaware and you're wondering how can you listen to the Bob and Jeff show, tune in Mondays through Fridays. 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. is still the same great show. They just don't call it the drive. It's the Bob and Jeff show. You got so, it. So with that being said, you are a North High alum, a North High grad. The first thing I want to ask you before we get to the removal of the name is, what were your feelings when you were actually attending the games, attending the schools, and the same was always like this, once a Redskin, always a Redskin. At that time, back then, did you – have the same feelings back then as you do today? I definitely did not. I would have never thought twice about uh, the nickname back then. Uh, there were definitely plenty of uh, chants, like you said, and, and sayings and slogans and quotes that included that nickname. Um, and I certainly was none the wiser to how that could possibly be offensive because we did our best, I felt, or uh, we at least pretended like we were trying to do our best to honor a culture. And I have since uh, come to the realization, which I believe is fact, uh, that that is not a way to honor a culture with a, with a mascot. I just don't think that's the way to do it. Okay. So as I was reading the article, now it did mention that, you know, all the trophy cases will remain the same. Uh, the artifacts, the sculptures, that will remain the same. As a matter of fact, with the ninth grade class, they're going to have an advocacy and, you know, having hands-on Native American experience. So they're not doing away totally with the Native American experience, so to speak. It's just the name. So where is the line drawn between the offensiveness and the Native American experience? That's a good question because I'm not, I'm not a Native American, so I can't really answer that question. But I guess it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis. When you use the color of uh, someone's skin uh, in, in the name of a, uh, a mascot or a school nickname, I would say that is uh, far, far crossing the line. But 
you could say, well, what about the fighting Irish or what about the fighting Illini or the, the Seminoles or the Braves or the Chiefs? And I don't really have a good answer to that question. Uh, my team used to be the uh, the Cleveland Indians. Right. Was very happy. Was very happy when they changed their name to the Guardians. Some people refuse to accept progress and that we're moving forward and that we're judging things based on the time that we live instead of based on the time when that franchise was named back in the 1920s or 30s. And, you know, they felt like they were, quote unquote, honoring the uh, the Native American culture as well with Cleveland Indians. But I think that is one debunked. And uh, two, we've heard from enough uh, Native American people to to tell us that that is not how they want to be recognized or honored. So uh, I'm going to side with uh, the majority of those folks. Okay. And with that being said, because you mentioned other team nicknames, and it's ironic that you mentioned Seminoles, and they're usually tied with Florida State. And I guess their thing is they're on, I guess they're out there on a Native American type reservation somewhere close by. So the sentiment out there is they have no problem with the name Seminoles and how they go about honoring them. So I guess as it is with race relationships, I guess even with some Native Americans, they're divided on the issue as well, too. But all it takes is just a little bit to be considered the majority, and the majority always outrules the minority. Would that be a good assessment? That's fair. And I think, you know, when you don't ever use the word outside of a uh, sports con- context, like we have with the Washington football team and the North High Athletics, that that word um, – is not used outside of that. No one calls a native American that word that starts with an R. I don't even want to say it. Um, I don't think it's right to say it. Uh, no one says that about any people. They'll just like no one uh, call would call you black skin. That would be completely offensive. Um, that would be, that's racist and it's wrong. So again, maybe back in the forties and fifties, I still don't think that it was right then but it was certainly judged differently and it was perceived differently and it was presented differently as though, you know, this is honoring uh, these people and that culture. And I just don't think that's the case. You're playing sports, putting, putting a, a, a red face guy with a, a feather and a huge smile when uh, you know, the majority of those players are white, Dominican, uh, Latin, black, no, really no native American. Uh, how is that honoring a culture? when that culture isn't participating in the, the quote unquote honoring, it doesn't make any sense. Absolutely. So with that being said, because now we're looking at a team just like the Washington used to be football team. Now commanders, they're going without a name. So I'm pretty sure there's going to be some type of committee to come up with the name because one thing I noticed in their article is said they will they're going to still keep the feather logo. So hopefully that doesn't become an issue, but they're going to keep that logo. So what do you think would be a name suited for North High? I don't know, Eagles. If they're gonna use a feather, let's go with a bird instead of some kind of cultural appropriation, which it's just it's just we that time has come and gone where we as a society should, uh, should be able to do things like that. And it just gets into this, this conversation that 
nobody's really having about like cancel culture. Who's being canceled when you change the name Indians to Guardians? Certainly not the uh, the millions and millions of uh, I don't know if it's millions, but it's obviously a lot <laughs> of uh, of Native Americans who want no part of that. Uh, certainly the, the the baseball, anything related to baseball, isn't being canceled. Uh, people are still attending the game. I mean, it's just there's no there's no canceling there, and I might be arguing against nobody by even bringing that up. But it just uh, again, it's one of those things that doesn't quite add up. We are in the year 2022. Yes, people may be uh, extra sensitive to some things and and uh, find some things maybe more offensive now than they would have even five or ten years ago. But when things are objectively wrong and they've always been objectively wrong, we're just now figuring it out. Uh, there's no better time than now to fix those things. So I'm glad we're doing that. All right. Now let me ask you this question because most of the heat that came behind that particular name, let's just call it, as they say, call it Ace of Ace of Spade of Spade. It started with what is now the Washington Washington Commanders. And it didn't just start with Daniel Snyder, and I forgot who the owner was before him, but they were very adamant to the point of arrogancy to note we will never change this name, no way in, you know what, are we going to do that? So if you think they would have had a different approach and a different attitude and a, as they would say, sit down, come to Jesus meeting, do you think the approach or the, it wouldn't have been quite the backlash had they just had that sit down and say, hey, let's talk, let's have this conversation? Because basically they thumbed their nose up and said, there's no conversation to be had. So if you think they had a different attitude and a mindset and was willing to have a forum with Native American people, you think it would be a whole different ball game? Yeah, I mean, when the decision is made for you, then you really don't get much credit for that uh, because they were starting to lose sponsors and the, the court of public opinion was certainly swaying in the direction of you have to change this name. And it, it definitely wasn't handled that well from uh, the Washington football team's standpoint. I feel like the, the Cleveland baseball team handled it a little bit better, but still that was kind of uh, a decision that was made for them. Although they did solicit a lot of input from the, from the native American community. I believe Cleveland is in Cuyahoga County. So that's obviously uh, a native American name. It's uh, it's something that uh, they feel is important up in Cleveland, but uh, yeah, the nickname just doesn't jive with all that. And again, like I said, there are people that, that are saying, well, what happens? when you change the name, now there's no representation of, uh, of Native American culture in sports nicknames. And now, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're going for. No cultural appropriation, no racial representation in sports nicknames. If you want to find ways to honor those people, you can take a far less uh, lazy approach, I think. Okay. Well, with that being said, now I want to really pick your brain. Because we still have teams like Braves, Chiefs, and we just go ahead and put this in concrete. The Seminoles, I don't think they would be changed because that group of Native Americans, they really support the Florida Seminoles out there. So they got the backing of them. But how long do you think it would be before we start seeing names like the Braves and the Chiefs come up to some more scrutiny and to the point where they almost have to be forced to change their name? That's a good question because it seems like now that we've had a couple teams change their name, that this isn't necessarily something people are talking about anymore. They feel like, okay, well, those are the, those are the offensive names. 
So I guess all these other ones aren't that offensive, but the Braves do the tomahawk chop bad. The Chiefs do the tomahawk chop, which is bad. So does it necessarily have to do with the name? I, I mean, the actions of the fans and the name, I guess they all are tied in together. Uh, but it seems like we've, uh, as a society, moved on from changing those names, of changing the Braves and the Chiefs. There doesn't seem to be much of a, a clamoring for that right now. Okay. So let me ask you this, and I'm going to let you go because I know you have some prepping to do. So you said the North High should be the Eagles since they're sticking with the feather. I, I mean, I just now, made that one up. I mean, I like <laughs> the band, the Eagles. That's the first thing I thought of when you said feather. Uh, so, yeah, there could be a lot of different kinds of uh, names for North High, I would think. So if by chance, not saying this would happen, if they came up with the name, say, Seminoles, and everybody's on board with it, how would you feel about that? Terrible, because as I don't believe, and I could be wrong, I don't think Seminoles uh, are represented in Kansas. That Again, that could be way off base, and I might be wrong about that, but I don't think that's a kansas native tribe um and just to i mean just get away from that altogether. just get away from using a race or a tribe of people as your mascot people are not mascots okay well i want to say i do honor and respect your opinions i even honor and respect the way you want to handle this uh segment called point counterpoint because my I'm, I'm going to let the listening public know, and this is no reflection negatively on Jeff, but he didn't want to do the two-way deal, and that's his, that that's how he felt, and I respect that, and I still want y'all who listen to this podcast, tune in from two to four, and Jeff, tell them what the name of the show is. It's the Bob and Jeff Show, and Anthony, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. I'll provide a little bit of context. Uh, it's not that I necessarily didn't want to uh, participate at all. It's just that I felt like having a debate uh, about the issue would lend credibility to the other side of the argument, which I don't think really for that particular name. Now, if we were talking Chiefs, Braves, there's maybe a debate to be had there. But for the particular name we're talking about for North High and the old nickname for the Washington football team, I just don't think that there's a debate there. So I I wouldn't want to uh, offer you know, credibility to that, to that there would be. Absolutely. And like I say, I respect that. And I'm just glad you came on board today and we will do this again, probably during the season, except it'll probably be a different topic altogether. And you're always invited on the train. So anytime you want to come on, just let me know. We will fix a time slot and you will have that time slot. So once again, my guest on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, Jeff. Lutz, thank you. Good man. Appreciate it, big fella. Yes, sir. Once again, Jeff Lutz on Point Counterpoint. Coming up next, we will have another radio personnel, so stay tuned. It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. Be right back.
It is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your podcast for sports and so much more. Thank you for listening to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. If you would like to have your ad or sponsor a segment on here, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or you can simply email me. That's a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com. That's a.trainsportstalk at gmail.com. Once again, it's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. train sports talk podcast with your host and conductor anthony smith grab your tickets get on board and enjoy the ride it's the a train sports talk podcast all aboard It is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor of the train, Anthony Smith. And today we are picking up passengers. The segment of the show, Point, Counterpoint, where we have two different opinions on an issue. Back in February 2021, there was a vote to remove the name Redskins. Has it divided a community? Yes, it has. So my next guest really needs no introduction because he has introduced himself on the airwaves over the past few years. He's still yet a young man. He's still wet behind the ears. <laughs> we went to school together, but I'm a young man. He's the old man. None other than you can hear him on the game plan every Monday through Friday from 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. None other than Doug Downs, as we call him in school, DJ Doug Downs. Welcome, Doug, to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Thank you. And since this is a sports podcast, I prefer that when you're referring to me in my age, that we go on ahead and use the word seasoned, not old. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We will use the word seasoned. And we are in the season of, well, we're between, well, I guess it's baseball season. You know, this is that time of year where you're just trying to find anything to talk about. Of course, trust me, the NBA and the NFL, they're giving us plenty to talk about in their offseason. But the issue at hand, and I already had Jeff on, and he didn't want to do the debate thing, so I respected that. And I'm pretty sure you being the prof- professional that you are, I'm pretty sure you'll understand that as well, too. So, he is opposed to that name, so he's one of the ones that's glad that the name is removed. Now, what I did to go along with our conversation, it says, why is the word Redskins so offensive? And 
The term redskin refers to the government-sanctioned practice of scalping natives, oftentimes while they were alive. And it goes on and says in this article here, uh, basically it talks about the debate over the appropriateness of Native American team names rages on. It says whatever the pr- propriety of generic Native American teams like Indians, Chiefs, Braves, or Warriors, or tribal names like Utes, Chippewas, or Seminoles, there seems to be a widespread belief that the term Redskins is especially offensive and insulting to Native Americans. So, I'm going to ask you the same question I asked Jeff, because somewhere along the way, his views changed. During your time at North High, did there seem to be any backlash? Did there seem to be anyone offended by that name during the time you were going to school there? Never. Not one time. Not one time was this ever an issue. Not one time was this ever brought up. And, you know, I don't know when Jeff went to North High, but I know that I've had brothers and sisters that have all before me went to North High. I went to North High. I graduated in 1986. And throughout 1974, when my sister went there, through 1986, when my other two brothers and, and, and I went there, not one single person or one time through those years did the word redskin come up as an offensive word. So during the years, what has changed all this? I know we're living in a different time, in a different culture. And one of the questions I asked Jeff about that, we were dealing with a team called the Washington Redskins. And do you think a lot of the backlash had to do with how their owners handled the team because Daniel Snyder was just basically carrying the torch of the previous owner. And it was a arrogance or a above everybody else type attitude that kind of rubbed people the wrong way. Whereas if they would have had a sit down, as we say, sit down, come to Jesus meeting or a forum to discuss everybody's feelings. Do you think it could have been handled differently and we wouldn't even be having this discussion? I don't think this, I think this discussion came up because all of a sudden in society, we had to go back and get woke about everything. We had to go back and look at history about everything. And because of the one or 2% that are going to throw a fit about everything that goes on in society. Now, all of a sudden we have to change everything that's been a part of uh, America and this culture for the past hundred years. And look, you know me, Anthony, you and I went to school together. I am by far the most non-racist person in the world. I, I, I don't think that you should ever downgrade anybody for their religious beliefs, the color of their skin, their political beliefs, any of that. That should never be a part of any conversation that's going on. But on the same token, to me, it is part of the one or 2% that want to base everything that we do anymore on one of those three categories. And they yell the loudest if the rest of us don't just step up and change. You know, when I went to North High, we honored the Native Americans. We had chiefs in full headdress that would show up at our pep assemblies and help lead the what we called the war cry dance. There wasn't a single time during that period did, did the Native American community not embrace North High. From the symbols that we had around our school to the types of pep rallies that we had to making them be a part of what we had going on. And this, this woke society that we're living in has to come to a stop and it needs to come to a stop now 
and, and you know you mentioned something you know not trying to get off the topic but you said it's that one to two percent that yells the loudest it kind of reminds me of that one woman and because of that one woman prayer was removed from school so it's always amazing how it only takes a small group but they get big things done and you know we always say the majority rule but in this case it's really a minority because it's only like one or two that has to say something and next thing you know things get rolling and if that happened back then and this is happening now you almost hate to ask this question but you know what's coming what's next so with that being said what name do you see north going with because i cannot phantom the thought of them going with that nickname like the commanders did for two years i don't know that's that's the one to two percent that that are screaming the loudest what they want you know what kind of name do is going to be acceptable to them i i have no idea what they're going to go with and i, I will tell you this once a redskin always a redskin that will stick into my mind and my heart forever and i will take that with great pride and so will a lot of other people from North High. Look, I've talked to a ton of people that graduated from North High, a ton. And there's not one single person that I've talked to that has been for this. And, and I think, again, it goes back to the culture that those of us that, that went to North back in the 70s and 80s created for that school. Somewhere along the line, the culture has been changed on how that school views things and how they view even their own cells and their own student bodies. You know, when I roamed the halls of North High, it didn't matter what your skin color was. We had lockers right next to each other. We hung out. We played sports together. We went to parties together. I'm not too sure that's happening anymore. And if that's not happening, it's a crying shame. Absolutely. So, uh, in, in, saying, in saying all of that, and you said, find the ones that's crying the loudest. Uh, the one thing I noticed when I read the Board of Education article about the removal of the name, and there was a vote six to zero, so you knew that was going to come, as opposed to had it been three three and someone would have had to break the tie. One of the things they did say in that article was they're not going to remove the artifacts. Uh, their ninth grade class is going to be an advocacy class where they're going to still have the on hand Native American experience. So it's like even though the name is removed, seem like they're going to still keep some of the tradition. So what are your thoughts on that? Well, they should keep some of the tradition because, you know, North High is, what, the second oldest school in Wichita outside of East High. So that tradition has been around for a very long time. And, you know, you drive over there by North High. I don't know how many people that listen to the podcast have been over there lately. But, I mean, that whole area and the way that that school is designed and put together to me, it's 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 very beautiful. It's something that honors again the Native American community, and for them to you know go in and grind some of that stuff uh, that, that, that's made by concrete or whatever it is off the building or off the bridges would just that'd be a shame. Right, and I, and I think that is going to still stay intact. But like you said, we're in a different time, different society we live in, and even though that's still going to remain the same for now, you have to say for now, knock on wood. You just hope that one or two percent don't have a public outcry and be like, y'all need to remove that because that would be a shame because North High is an historic school and it would be a shame to go by and see that school looking any different than what is looking now. Well, Doug, I do want to you know, thank. And, and yes, I, 
I would just leave leave by saying this is and you ask where's this gonna stop? Who knows? But what about the other schools in the area? Liberals already said they're not getting rid of the name Redskins. Andell is not gonna get rid of the name Indians. Clearwater's not gonna get rid of the name Indians. Where does this stuff stop? I mean, uh, so now that they've now that the one to two percent has raised their voice loud enough that that North and the school board here didn't have a spine enough to stand up to them. Now, what are they going to do that they've got this change? Are they are they going to take their their protest or whatever it is out to these small communities and try to force their hand? Good luck to them if they try to do that, because it's not going to happen. You know, and and you, you brought up the Washington Redskins. You, you really want to know what caused them to change their name. Oh, <laughs> there's their sponsor. FedEx finally said, if you don't change their name, we're pulling our contract. But what gets me about that was when FedEx signed that contract as the naming rights of that stadium, they knew exactly what Washington's name was. So why all of a sudden did FedEx get woke and bow down to the one to two percent? That's the question I have. Right. So, like I said, this, this I, I I don't want to reference it like this, but as I always say about my podcast, building up a head of steam, right now it's dormant, but at some point it's liable to build up another head of steam. So, once again, Doug Downs, host, co- no, you're the host, you're the man, you've been there the longest, so I'm not going to give Mason that title. The host of The Game Plan, which can be heard Monday through Fridays on KGSO, 1410 AM, 93.9 FM, or on the TuneIn app, or on Facebook Live, Twitch TV. What other social platforms y'all have out there? We're working on a ton of them right now. (laughs) But more than anything, if you uh, just check us out on 1410 AM or 93.9 FM or the TuneIn app, you can pretty much hear it about anywhere and if you want to see our ugly mugs and you can watch our show every morning on facebook live <laughs> all right well doug once again i want to thank you for being on the a train sports talk podcast and we'll hash some more things out throughout the days months weeks to come so thanks once again for joining me thank you once again doug downs host of the game plan that could be heard right here every monday through friday from six to nine six a.m to nine a.m 1410 AM, 93.9 FM, KGSO, Wichita. Well, I am going to take another break. And when I come back, I'm going to get back into the NIL. The other side of the NIL. So stay tuned. to A-Train, Sports Talk Podcast, your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard!
Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. That's right, this is your host and your conductor, Anthony Smith. Very entertaining first two segments with Point and Counterpoint with uh, Jeffrey Lutz. Doug Downs, Jeffrey Lutz, you can hear him. Two to four. KFH Radio. With his dad, is now known as Bob and Jeff's show. Also, special thanks to Doug Downs from KGSO. The game plan can be heard 93.9 FM, 14.10 AM, KGSO, 6 AM, 9 AM. Very special thanks to those two guests for adding their views. going to get back into an article dealing with the NIL. This will be part two of an article that I started the other day. It's 4th of July to be exact. And uh, I gave you the positive side. This article is off of ESPN's newsfeed by Jay Billis, a well-respected person in the sports industry. Uh, we shared the positives the other day. So now we look at the negative impact of the NIL. The negatives. The NCAA has been diminished in the NIL saga, creating instability. Due to stunning leadership failures and a sorry lack of vision, the NCAA was caught flat-footed and without a plan for NIL. The NCAA miscalculated its position in the Alston case and was eviscerated before the United States Supreme Court. It was not just that the NCAA lost on the issue of whether it could deny athletes certain compensation tethered to education, which it did lose. It was risking the positive protections and deference it received from a 1984 Supreme Court loss in the Board of Regents case. The most recent loss in the Supreme Court obliterated some very beneficial protections the NCAA had from courts and made it very difficult for the NCAA to act in the NIL space without running afoul of federal antitrust law, of which the NCAA has been found to be a serial violator. The NCAA seems to be held in the lowest regard in its history at this moment. It is seen as directionless ineffective and powerless and it is difficult to argue otherwise going forward more decisions will be made by the schools and conferences the market competitors themselves and the NCAA's power and autonomy in the industry will be further diminished while there were fair criticisms of the leadership the structure and policies of the NCAA nobody could have predicted how swiftly the unceremoniously and unceremoniously, the NCAA would fall from grace and from authority. To have a governing body and leadership held in such low regard is a negative, and it will take far more than leadership change to turn that clear negative into a positive. Differing state laws help NCAA obscure the NIL message. One of the narratives heard from NCAA administrators from member institutions is that Differing state laws on NIL hinder the ability 
to effectively compete in the college sports space and conduct fair competition. If that were true, it would be a negative. But is it really true or just a talking point to get Congress involved? I believe it is the latter. Right now, NIL rules are governed by state law, or if a state does not have an NIL law on the books, it is governed by individual school or conference NIL policy. While several states have NIL laws, and they are all a bit different, it is really unworkable to have competition among schools and states with differing laws. After all, each state has differing tax laws, employment laws, building codes, laws regarding alcohol sales and consumption, and nobody in the college sports space complained that they couldn't conduct fair competition under those circumstances. It seems odd that the only thing limiting fair competition are some minor differences in state laws regarding athlete compensation. So odd that it is likely untrue if any state feels its institution are not as competitive due to its NIL law. It can work to change its NIL law. The threat of congressional intervention in NCAA litigation is bad for college sports. The NCAA is currently lobbying Congress for legis legislation to preempt those differing state laws and provide a national standard. Essentially, the NCAA is begging Congress to bail it out and provide it with an antitrust exemption to limit athletes without running afoul of federal antitrust law. Whether Congress wades into that area remains unclear. However, it is difficult to imagine any federal law structure that will ultimately be a good thing for college sports. It is seen more as a last gasp from an organization that has mismanaged and miscalculated and sees no other variable option other than to deregulate and admit it is running a multi-billion dollar entertainment industry off its campuses. While the NCAA is on Capitol Hill begging, it is also continuing to litigate cases regarding athletes' rights and compensation. The NCAA has spent hundreds of millions of dollars in legal fees indicating it will pay any amount of money to keep from allowing athletes any, which is quite galling when you really think about it. The NCAA's current legal position and its position on Capitol Hill are most certainly negatives in the NIL space. NIL and recruiting, the ongoing confusion over collectives. In finally allowing NIL rights to athletes, the, state, the stated concern was that it would find its way into recruiting, the lifeblood of any college program success. Without question, the most valuable assets in winning are the athletes themselves. That is why recruiting is so important and why it is so regulated by the NCAA. The rapid rise of collectives, including what are being called booster collectives, in the college sports space has been interesting and revealing. A collective is an organized corporation that is structurally unaffiliated with the school, yet operates to provide money and NIL opportunity to the school's athletes. Currently, NCAA guidelines of NIL prohibit boosters or collectives from offering NIL opportunities or other compensation for athletes to enroll or remain at a particular school. But some say that is exactly what is happening. From a strict rules perspective, that is a negative because it is against the current rules. However, as a practical matter, there is no way to avoid it. 
the NCAA cannot stop the flow of money to where it rightfully should be. Clearly, these schools and collectives want to pay these athletes to attract them and retain their services in order to win. Will this lead to schools offering contracts to athletes someday? That is one outcome I see as not only possible, but preferable. Some have opined that there needs to be a limit to what an athlete can be paid, citing salary caps in other major professional sports. While the NBA and the NFL have salary caps, they also have salary minimums that are collectively bargained with the players. And a fact most often ignored, the players in those salary cap sports are able to split around 50% of large revenues. When you think about that, college sports is getting off cheap. NIL might feel quite different and represent a tectonic shift for college sports, but is a far cry from athletes getting half of revenues. Whether one sees NIL and the future of athlete compensation as a positive or negative, one thing is certain. NIL is here to stay. Get used to it. That is the part two of the NIL, what would be deemed as the negatives. So feel free to weigh in on what you think about the NIL. From my previous podcast to this one right here, you've heard both sides, the positive and the negatives. You also heard interesting conversation between one Jeff Lutz, Doug Downs, their feelings and their sentiments on the removal of the name Redskins from North High. It started here locally. How much farther will it spread? Will we see protests at high school games throughout the state of Kansas where teams are bearing those names of tribes? Will we see protests? We very well could see that. Could it get to the point where it ends up being an issue where they take something like this to court? That very well could be the case as well, too. But at the end of the day, I still say, let the kids be the kids. Don't take the fun away from them. If there is a diplomatic way to handle that situation for both sides, I say, let's do it. NIL. The floodgates are open. And as you heard, even a change in leadership wouldn't change what's going on right now. What I'm going to do right here is I am going to take a break. When I come back, I will probably talk some NBA talk because I'm pretty sure there is a lot to talk about, especially with the names Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I'll be right back. So Stay tuned.
is the A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your podcast for sports and so much more. Thank you for listening to the A Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. If you would like to have your ad or sponsor a segment on here, simply reach out to me at 316-553-2010 or you can simply email me. That's talk at gmail.com. That's talk at gmail.com. Once again, it's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast with your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Grab your tickets, get on board, and enjoy the ride. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. All aboard! Welcome back to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host is conductor Anthony Smith. And I did say I was going to talk some NBA, but there's a story that has surfaced up. And I have also been kind of following this. I've brought up on a couple of my podcasts. And there has been a firing at a university. As Grambling State fires volleyball coach Chelsea Lucas amid internal investigation. Grambling State Athletics Department announced Tuesday the termination of volleyball coach Chelsea Lucas. The announcement was made by GSU President Rick Gallup and Travion Scott, Vice President for Intercollegiate Athletics. The decision was made due to the determination of an internal investigation within the volleyball program based on reports of Lucas, a Huma native, abruptly cutting every member of the team and revoking their scholarships. The success of student-athletes and their ability to matriculate at Grambling State University is the top priority, Scott said. As we move forward in this transition and commence a national search for the next coach, all volleyball student-athletes who receive scholarships for the 2022-23 academic year will keep their scholarships and remain on the team. Walk-ons will also continue to hold their roster spot. Any additional comments will be held until the conclusion of the investigation. But you can guarantee there are some mad students, GSU volleyball players, upset with loss of scholarships. It is the responsibility of this institution to make sure that student athletes are afforded opportunities in a manner compliant with all regulatory organizations, Gallant said. That applies to athletics as much as it does to academics. 
a national search for a new volleyball coach will begin this week. Lucas, the 2006 SWAC Defensive Player of the Year at Gramley, spent three seasons at Arkansas Pine Bluff before being hired at Gramley on February the 14th to replace Demetria Keyes Johnson in April. In April, members of the Grambling volleyball team who had their scholarships cut outlined Lucas's often cold interactions with the team in an interview with the News Star. The team only had three practice sessions together, most of which consisted of very few volleyball-related drills and a lot of punishment-related running, according to multiple players. Most players and parents who spoke to the News Star felt Lucas and the athletics department's decision to cut the roster was premeditated. During one instance, senior setter Sheila Borders was called in for an 11 a.m. meeting. Lucas made her shut off her phone, put it in a bucket, and went on to inform her that because she didn't like the dynamic of the team, Borders would not be having her scholarship renewed. A petition to reinstate scholarships to Grambling's players has garnered more than 3,750 signatures. So, gone from Grambling, Coach Chelsea Lucas. Hopefully now they can get some closure and restore some order to that program. Looking at some more news, and I am going to get to some NBA. How about, before I get to the NBA, here's one for you. Trey Fisher, son of Jimbo Fisher, transferring to Florida A&M. That's right. The Florida A&M Rattlers football team added a familiar name from the transfer portal. Quarterback Trey Fisher, son of former national championship head coach Jimbo Fisher, committed to the program. Fisher returns to Tallahassee where he played high school football for Godby High School. In his two years as the team's primary starter, he recorded 4,626 passing yards, completing 57% of his passes and accounted for 49 touchdowns. Fisher then moved on to to the college ranks where he committed to the University of Tennessee Martin. He played just one game with the team during the 2020-2021 spring season, completing each of his two pass attempts. The Tallahassee native joins a Rattlers depth chart loaded with quarterbacks, including Rayshon McKay, who took the majority of snaps under center last season. The Rattlers have championship aspirations in their second season in the SWAC, following a year in which they finished 9-3 overall and received an at-large bid in the FCS playoffs. So we will keep an eye on that situation to see how things work out for one Trey Fisher. Moving right along with some more sports news. Biden and Harris speak with Brittany Griner's wife. 
President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris spoke by phone Wednesday with Sherelle Griner, the wife of WNBA star Brittany Griner, who was detained in a Russian prison, according to the White House. Biden has also written a letter in response to Brittany Griner's handwritten letter, which he shared with her wife during the call. The president called Sherelle to reassure her that he is working to secure Brittany's release as soon as possible, as well as the release of Paul Whelan and other U.S. nationals who are wrongfully detained or held hostage in Russia and around the world. He also read her a draft of the letter the president is sending to Brittany Griner today in the White, the White House said. Griner wrote in a letter delivered to Biden on Monday that she is afraid that she could be detained in Russia indefinitely. As I sit here in a Russia prison alone with my thoughts and without the protection of my wife, family, friends, Olympic jersey, or any accomplishments. I'm terrified I might be here forever, an expert of the letter obtained by CNN earlier this week said. Griner wrote, I realize you are dealing with so much, but please don't forget about me and the other American detainees. Please do all you can to bring us home. I voted for the first time in 2020, and I voted for you. I believe in you. I still have so much good to do with my freedom that you can help restore. I miss my wife. I miss my family. I miss my teammates. It kills me to know they are suffering so much right now. I'm grateful for whatever you can do at this moment to get me home, she wrote. The White House said Biden offered his support to Sherelle and Brittany's family, and he committed to ensuring they are provided with all possible assistance while his administration pursues every avenue to bring Brittany home. Biden also directed his team to remain in regular contact with Sherelle and Brittany Griner's family. The 31-year-old Griner, who has played in Russia during the WNBA's offseason, was arrested February 17th at a Moscow airport a week before Russia invaded Ukraine. Russian authorities claimed she had cannabis oil in her luggage and accused her of smuggling significant amounts of a narcotic substance, an offense punishable by up to 10 years in prison. She went on trial in a court near Moscow on Friday on drug smuggling charges. Griner's supporters and U.S. officials say she has been wrongfully detained and have called for her release as fears mount that she is being used as a political pawn among, amid rising tensions between Russia and the U.S. Other detainees yet to receive a response. A coalition of families of U.S. hostages and detainees who wrote a joint letter to Biden requesting to meet with him have yet to receive a reply, their spokesperson said Wednesday. The statement about the lack of response to the Bring Our Families Home campaign came just ahead of the news that Biden and Harris spoke with Sherelle Griner. In mid-June, the Bring Our Family Homes campaign wrote a letter to Biden formally asking that he meet with the campaign's leadership team, stating that it has become clear to us that Without your direct involvement, other issues will continue to overshadow the release of our innocent family members. In the days following that letter, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken met with families of Americans held hostage and wrongfully detained abroad. He did not promise a meeting with Biden, but sought to assure them that the administration is making every effort to bring their loved ones home. So that's what we have on Brittany Griner, as well as the other wrongfully detained Americans. So let's always keep this 
in the forefront in the minds of all of our American citizens. Now we get to some NBA news. As James Harden celebrates a $109 million deal for three years with a crazy night out at the Hamptons. James Harden doing what James Harden does. James Harden is stirring up the rumor pot. He declined his $47.4 million player option, and he will now sign a $109 million for three years. Well, in the modern day and age, there is no such thing as a whisper deal. The sheer amount of chatter around the league means that no piece of news can remain a secret for long. This time, the news is coming from Philadelphia. Just last night, James Harden was seen in an elaborate all-white attire party in the Hamptons. He was seen in a joyous mood with pop stars Drake, Meek Mill, and Travis Scott. Along with him were his teammates, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey. The trio was instrumental in last year's playoffs. While they didn't achieve long-term success, they would be looking to rent it back this year. Apart from the 76ers players, P.J. Tucker was seen at the party. It looks as though P.J. may also be in the running to sign to the 76ers as a free agent. So what are your thoughts? James Harden signs a $109 million deal for three years. But can he be trusted? I trust that he'll put up good numbers during the regular season. But even back in his days with the Oklahoma City Thunder, Houston Rockets, come playoff time, he's not the same James. So why would you give him this much money over a three-year period? If you stop and look at some of the players in this past playoff, players who actually showed up during the playoffs. They may not have been as big during the regular season, but I'll give you one name for example. Outside their big two in Boston, Marcus Smart showed up. Marcus Smart showed out. Did they come up short against the Warriors? Yes, they did. But if you did know the name, You know the name now, Marcus Smart. That's when you need your star players to show up the most. It's when it counts the most. It's during the playoffs. Anyone can put up big numbers during the regular season. But if your goal is to win championships, you need to remember this. And I guess I can reference it like they do in the NFL. There are three speeds that you play with. In the NBA. There's preseason speed. If you play at all. There's regular season speed. There's playoff speed. And then here's a bonus right here. There's championship speed. To which James Harden. Hadn't found. Either of the latter two. Well, this has been another edition of the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. I hope you have enjoyed today's show. 
I have enjoyed my guest today. And I will be keeping up with a lot of the scenes on the sports scene, but I will also be keeping up with things outside of sports that will also be on this podcast, such as my Outside the Box. Because one of these things I want to be able to say, you're listening to me from the Hood Fashional Studio Microphone. Anyway, it is Wednesday. Getting ready for the downhill swoop for the rest of this week. So I hope you enjoy the rest of this week. It's plenty hot out there here in the state of Kansas. Heat advisories. So my word of advice to you is stay hydrated. And if you don't have to get out, stay in where it's cool at. Until the next time, take care of yourself and each other. Have a blessed day. I'm out.